You're listening to Taxpayers Australia's news and insights podcast, Tax Wrap. Welcome to Tax Wrap Podcast, episode 95. Now, payroll tax seems to grate on the nerves of many small business operators, but it is as inevitable as a proverbial death in taxes. But with a seemingly increasingly mobile workforce operating across many Australian industries, determining which state wears the payroll tax burden can cause many business owners to scratch their heads. This is where the nexus provisions of the Payroll Act come in. To explain it all, uh, Lisa and Andy are joined this week by Catherine Clarice, the State Revenue Officer of Victoria's Principal Customer Education Consultant. Over to you, Lisa. So, Catherine, we're talking about the nexus provisions here. Can you explain what they're all about? Sure, Lisa. The nexus provisions are a set of rules that determine where wages are to be declared for payroll tax purposes. If someone is working solely in one state in a month, then you simply declare the wages to that state. And this would be the case for most employees. When the worker is working in more than one state or partly in Australia and partly overseas within a calendar month, the provisions include a four-tier test that employers can use to determine where the wages need to be declared. So the first tier of the test looks at where the worker resides, so where is their principal place of residence located. If the worker resides in Australia, then you declare all of the wages to that state. This would apply to Australian residents that work in more than one state or partly in Australia and partly overseas. Now, if they don't reside in Australia, then you would move to Tier 2 of the test. And Tier 2 looks at the employer's business address. So in which state is their ABN registered business address? If the employer doesn't have a registered ABN address in Australia, their business address is where their principal place of business is located. So for a worker that did not work wholly in one state and does not reside in Australia, then their wages would be declared in the state in which the employer has their ABN registered business address or principal place of business. Now, in the very few cases where the worker doesn't reside in Australia and the employer does not have an Australian registered business address or principal place of business, then and only then would we move to tier three of the test, which basically looks at where the wages were paid. So which state? And then failing that, perhaps the wages are paid to an overseas bank account. Then we would look to the final tier, which is tier four, which is looking at where the work was performed. So where was the majority of the work performed during the month? If the majority of the work was performed in one state, you would declare the wages to that state's revenue office. So, so Catherine, they only apply solely in one state, is that correct? or? Actually, Andy, these provisions are harmonised provisions and they're treated consistently across the country. That way, it's a simple process for employers to establish where it is that they need to declare wages each month. The nexus provisions are covered by a harmonised revenue ruling and that's uh, called PTA 039. To access the ruling, you just simply type the reference into the search bar on our website and then the document comes straight up and you can access the four-tier test. That way, uh, the harmonised provisions operate so that the wages are taxable in one state only. That's quite interesting, Catherine, because I think probably why people are moving to that four-tier test is because it's source of income. So if you put it back to income tax, which people feel much more comfortable than payroll tax, they then look at it being um, as the source of the income. So it's quite interesting. So what you're saying is let's start at tier one and then work through to tier four and just it's a it's a, if you feel the first tick, we'll see how it goes with the next one and you don't need to consider other ones. That's exactly right, Lisa. And if the employment is in only one state, you don't even need to move to the test. You just declare to the state where the labour was performed. That's excellent, Catherine. So what happens now if someone's working overseas? 
Lisa, when a worker is performing duties overseas in another country, if the wages are being paid in Australia and it's for a period of less than six months, then the payments continue to be taxable. The payments are taxable in the state where they're paid, so nice and easy. If the assignment is for more than six months, then the wages are exempt, and this includes the first six months so that all of the wages are exempt. Uh, You mentioned a little bit earlier there, Catherine, that um, the six-month period, is that a continuous six months? Yes, Andy, it must be a continuous period. However, there is some flexibility for the worker to return home for a brief holiday or perhaps to continue working on the same project. They do, however, need to return overseas and continue the overseas assignment. Now, Catherine, I've got another tricky question there for you. So what happens if I have um, an employee and they're doing some offshore services? So, for example, the typical example is they work on an offshore rig. How does that all work when it comes to these nexus provisions? Offshore oil rig scenarios can be quite tricky. First of all, what we need to do is establish whether the oil rig is far enough away from the coast to be considered offshore. So here in Victoria, the distance is three nautical miles from the coastline that we would consider the oil rig to be outside of Victorian waters. Once that distance is exceeded, you'd then look at which state the payments were made in. And if this is in multiple states, you'd then look to where the majority of the payments were made and then declare the total wages to that state. Not a common scenario, uh, but certainly a complex one. Good question. Well, Andy, you're always one to uh, talk about fly-in, fly-out workers after the John Holland case. So I'm not surprised you brought up the uh, example of oil rig workers. Always like a good FIFO. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent, Andy. So, Catherine, okay, what happens if you make the wrong declaration? What happens if you get it wrong? What can we do? Lisa, if someone finds that they've been paying the incorrect revenue office because they've been applying the test in the incorrect order and just genuinely didn't know how to determine which state to declare the wages to, then they can arrange to get a refund from the revenue office that they've overpaid and then contact the revenue office that they should have paid the payroll tax to. There's a commissioner's agreement in place for circumstances just like this and it basically means that there won't be any penalties or interest applied when correcting the errors. Um, So that's if uh, you've voluntarily worked out that you've made an error. Um, Of course, it's different if the, uh, the SRO comes and knocks on the door and asks for an audit. Yes, you're right, Lisa. I mean, for instances of deliberate non-compliance, there are certainly penalties and interest that can be applied. It really comes down to the individual circumstances of each case and what is applicable under the legislation. We spend a lot of time ensuring we provide education and assistance to our customers and their representatives, which in turn means that they understand their obligations and responsibilities when it comes to payroll tax. Oh, thanks for explaining all that to us, Catherine. Now, if I need some more help about Victorian payroll taxes, who can I contact? Andy, the first point of contact should always be our website, which is sro.vic.gov.au. It's a very clear and simple design and it allows you to search for keywords, which then point you in the direction of the content you're looking for. We also have an extensive video and webinar library. Our videos are available 24-7 and our live webinars are free and interactive, so you can ask questions of the presenter and get a real-time response. Uh, We've also got a customer contact centre, which is open from 8.30 to 5pm. Monday to Friday and you can give us a call and we can have a chat about a particular scenario. Okay, thanks very much Catherine. So that was uh, clarified a lot of things and uh, thank you listeners for being here again. Please tune in next week. Uh, We actually will be joined again by Mark Pizzicala uh, from the Board of Taxation.